Hello and welcome to YouTube's favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. We're doing an exciting video today where we look at one of my favorite cartoonists, Daniel Klaus, and we put his comics, we rank them, Ed, from worst to best. It's going to be a fun video and hopefully it'll spark some interesting conversation as a result. I want to remind everybody that Cartoonist Kayfabe has a Patreon. We have three different levels that will get you access to our videos early. And at the King Kayfaber level, you'll get access to all of our videos first, as well as the recording session. As we are speaking right now, King Kayfabers are joining us in the chat room and probably giving us their opinions of which order these books should be put in. I also want to let everyone know that we will be at Baltimore Comic-Con the second weekend in September this year. Uh, second year in a row that we're doing Baltimore Comic-Con. It's a great show for comic book fans, and we will be bringing a little bit of all of our catalog there. So hope to see a bunch of kayfabers at Baltimore Comic-Con in September. So as we start this Dan Klaus countdown, Ed, I should say, first of all, I thought this was a great idea for a video until I started trying to order these things because um, most of these books I hold in very high regard. So just because something inevitably has to be the lowest ranked book does not necessarily mean I don't like it. I also have to point out that I don't have a complete Dan Klaus book collection. So I don't have Lout Rampage, Orgy Bound, or the official Lloyd Llewellyn collection. But I do have representations because some of that stuff is printed in other books. Yeah. So we will start off with the manly world of Lloyd Llewellyn. This was a hardcover that uh, was hard to track down. You notice I am missing a dust jacket on this one. It collects all of the Lloyd Llewellyn comics up to this point. Yes. So probably everything that's in the official Lloyd Llewellyn paperback is 100%, in here. 100%. So, okay, so like, here's my relationship with this stuff, man. Uh, it was a birthday, and uh, I had my, my money, and I'm like, this Dan Klaus guy comes up a lot in uh, Palmer's picks. I'm going to give some of his, his comics a shot. And uh, with the birthday money I had, there was the manly... What's this called? The, the manly... This is um, the manly world of Lloyd Llewellyn. Yes. So there was this. There was the, the other collection that has like 11 stories. Mm -hmm. And what I ended up doing was getting that collection plus Lout, Lout Rampage for the price of this. Always regretted not getting this though because this is the complete... Uh, Lloyd Llewellyn. Mine's not complete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sons of bitches. I found one I could afford and I paid the price for it. Um, part of the reason that I have this ranked near the bottom of my reading list is this is very early Dan Klaus and it's cool to see his stylistic ticks are visible here. A lot of them. I think it looks great. I think some of these stories are really fun to read. But when I think about what makes Dan Klaus a special cartoonist, this is really early on in his development. Totally. And something had to come in at this spot. So um, this is where... I happen to rank this one, but there's a lot of great cartooning and drawing and fun comics. Probably a funner, sillier uh, Dan Klaus in here. He's getting a lot of that out of his system uh, with Lloyd Llewellyn. All of his like bad TV interests, the, the pop culture stuff like these little statues and, and we just saw the Rat Fink stuff. But the interesting thing is he was real early on showing that stuff off in comics. You know, Rat Fink gets a resurgence later and, and some of these other... Uh, tropes that he is talking about like just were not like uh, Russ Meyer people yes it was it was very very niche and potentially he helped that start that conversation up again but uh, I'm just gonna hedge Jimmy and say that my top 10 we're gonna go the oldest is 10 and then number one will be the newest because that's how I feel about his work yeah I 
it's hard to argue with that approach for sure. Like trying to figure this stuff out, I was trying to think like, what do I want to read next? You know, if I'm going to pull something off the shelf, which one do I most want to read? Um, and it's challenging, you know, to, to put this in order. If we did this video next week, I'd have a different order probably. Yeah, here's the other thing that's that's challenging because we are juggling successful art careers. And something like Ghost World, Velvet Glove, Lloyd Llewellyn, I read 50 times. Yes. 100 times. I read Wilson, Wilson maybe three times. I need to reread this one. I read one. Patience once. Yes, I need I to reread that I read Mr. Wonderful one. once. Wilson is one I'd like us to do on this on this show because this one surprised me where it ended up falling on my list. Me too, actually. Pre pretty low on here. It's not my favorite, even though there's stuff I like about it. But I think overall, Wilson is a character that I don't connect to as easily as some of the other characters. I really like his writing and his characterization. But in this case, Wilson's tough for me. He's an unlikable character. He's a little bit of a cartoon. There's some charm to that, but it's a little bit different than, again, what I think of when I go, what I love about Dan Klaus comics, it's not all in this the way it is in certain other Klaus books. See, this would be higher on the list, whatever corresponding you know place it would be to the newest, uh, because the things that I like about Klaus, sure, the, there's the characterization, all that stuff like you say, but I like that he is formally experimental, but still 100% perfectly readable to anybody and the conceit with this one you can see these titles on each of these pages these are single single yes. strips and uh this was done at a time he said it in interviews so i'm comfortable saying it here his father was passing yeah his he was he was bedside with his dad and his pops passed away and he just had notebooks and was for every one strip in here there might be like five strips that he wrote and designed that didn't make it and there's a little autobio in here because uh, Wilson's dad dies and there are things that that Wilson says that take you out of the Wilson character and it feels like Dan Klaus talking to the nurse yeah. that said something maybe semi-disrespectful uh, about his pops. Because the dad is like a professor, like all that kind of stuff. The other interesting thing is playing with cartooning. Mm -hmm. So each strip has a different aesthetic. Like this is like, is it Ivan Brunetti that you're doing? Right? Kind, kind of looks like, like it, it right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's an interesting piece also. And the, it's this is lean to the bone, man. Like, this is lean to the bone. You don't see a lot of, like, the inciting incidents, but you know what happens between pages, kidnappings, all that stuff. He ends up in jail. Uh, it's just stripped to the core, which makes it an amazing thing to read as a cartoonist. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to actually reread this. So like I said, I hope that we do a deeper dive on this it's a in, the near, in the near future. Um, and, and it may move up in my ranking once I do, because there's a lot in here that I like. And one thing that happens when new Dan Klaus books come out, I'm always super excited for it. They're always different than whatever I expect. Yeah. You know, like he's a guy that does not, he has some themes and you can certainly see his style from a mile away, but definitely does some different types of stories. And it can be a little bit disorienting when a new book comes out and you sit down to read it and it's like just very different than my expectations and Wilson I think had a little bit of that. We interrupt today's video to tell everyone we will be at Baltimore Comic Con September 8th, 9th, and 10th. We also want to remind everyone these videos are brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. There are three levels there that will get you access to our videos ahead of everybody else and the King Kayfaber level you'll get all the videos first and you'll get to sit in on the recording sessions. These videos are also brought to you by the books that we make. 
at Piscor's Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus, collecting all of the Hip Hop Family Tree comics in one handsome volume, along with 140 extra pages. will be out this fall. The proof is here, and it is shipping now to comic book stores and bookstores near you. Put your name on a copy ahead of time if you want to make sure you don't miss out. Red Room, Crypto Killers. The final series of Red Room comics is now being serialized. Issues 1, 2, and 3 are available. 4 will be out shortly. There are two trade paperbacks of Red Room. They are all self-contained. So buy whichever one you see first and enjoy yourself. X-Men Grand Design is going to be collected. All three volumes in one oversized volume this fall from Marvel Comics. Put your name on a pre-order for X-Men Grand Design if you want to get that in time for Christmas. My latest books, True Crime Funnies, three nonfiction comics, true crime and wrestling comics. These are available on my website or on my Patreon. Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive from Image Comics, collecting eight complete stories of the Deadliest Girl Alive, the Plain Janes for the young reader, young adult reader in your life, and the Hulk Grand Design Treasury Edition is available now wherever books and comics are sold. And now back to today's video. This is Mr. Wonderful. This came out from the New York Times um, whenever they were serializing different artists and this was the uh, the story that Dan Klaus did. You can see published by Pantheon. Wilson published by Drawn and Quarterly. So most of his output is from Fanographics, but there are a couple of uh, couple of ventures outside of there. And this this would represent the kind of graphic novel boom that that happened for a while. Like New York publishers are jumping on board and and, and giving giant advances. Yes. Um, one of the things I love about this story is our our main guy here, Mister Wonderful middle-aged guy this is a type of protagonist i'm starting to enjoy more and more as i yeah. identify I with gonna, them i was gonna say this is the boomer comic <laughs> yeah boomer comic although you know we're, we're moving into that age group quickly <laughs> but it's about him you know dating this woman and it's awkward but it also feels kind of easy for me to to recognize as i meet different people in my life at this age it's a different experience than whenever you meet friends at school or something when you're a kid and uh, I identified with some of that stuff throughout here. Always he does formal stuff too. And one of the cool things that I think he plays with in this is he'll often have word balloons overlapping. Of course, whenever I want to point that out, I don't see one. Right. Um, but he'll do these things where like his thoughts, his inner monologue will overlap what's happening. And it makes for a very interesting perspective on like, oh, we're seeing this from his point of view to the point that we don't even see exactly what the conversation is at times. Yeah. And all these characters are flawed, which I love the, the way he's able to show flawed characters. I think it's one of his great strengths. What a great graphic piece right here. And probably an addition for the book. Yes, I think so. To pad it out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And he does a couple of these, you know, like we're going to get to Ice Haven later. But this is another example where he is cutting up pages and doing this like wider format. Must have been something that just caught his imagination and uh, wanted to play with that in terms of how do we get a comic book amount of material into a book reader, uh, in front of a book reader? And uh, kind of interesting to see him playing around a little bit with that. You also see him saying a love story. Right. So a little, bit, a little bit different there. Well, I mean, it's, it's guys trying to get, get his date on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say a different D word. <laughs> All right. This was one that surprised me in the rankings. Um, a little bit lower than I would have expected it to come in. Kara Ketcher... One of his most celebrated stories. Yeah. This is a collection. You see nine stories. After he wraps up the first, I don't know, 11 or 12 issues of 8-Ball, his series, he went through a series of short stories being like a feature piece in the uh, subsequent issues up to, I think, issue 18. And this is a collection of those stories plus one extra. Green Eyeliner appeared 
in some magazine. I can't remember the, the I magazine. I think it was Esquire. Yeah, that sounds right. So we start off with one of his all-time great stories. We have a video on this one. Um, there's some amazing material to support caricature out there, like his thumbnails and writing process. I believe this is a story that he wrote visually, which is really exciting to me, and it's a great story. Um, but this, a lot of these short stories could be, you know, described that way. As a fan of his, you see a bunch of growth. Totally. You see him trying different stuff, what the short story allows him to experiment, to do a bunch of interesting characters, different points of views, some Gosh. childhood stories that are almost like uh, autobio, if, if not explicitly autobio. I feel like there are elements of autobio in there. Yeah, how about that? Trying different experiments. So a very attractive book. And I like these short stories, um, not just Klaus, but short stories in general. I sure. find very exciting. Um, one of the books, here's Green Eyeliner, the book that, or the story that we said appeared in, uh, in Esquire. So some new material if you're just an eight ball reader, but uh, Black Nylon is also collected. It's the last story in this. We looked at that in another video. I would highly recommend it. This is an exceptional story and one that I have grown. Every time I read it, I like this story more. So again, give me another reading on this and maybe this book will move up a rank or two on my list. Sure. Very beautiful. And uh, the nice thing with this, if you're not familiar with Dan Klaus and you wanna dip in somewhere, this is a nice collection to start because you get a sample of his stories and you kind of get to see his different voice uh, applied in these different stories. Right. I noticed whenever I was trying to like organize my thoughts on his catalog, a lot of this stuff pairs up. Right. So 20th Century 8-Ball, I mentioned not having Orgy Bound and Lout, Lout Rampage. Those collect a lot of the short stories from the first 12 or so issues of 8-Ball. Some of that overlaps in here. I think 100% of it overlaps. And and uh, if I if we were to do a video about like what is your recommendation to somebody who's new to Klaus this is my recommendation oh interesting yeah this this is a good collection this this moved around a lot as I was trying to place it this is your table of contents you can see there's a lot of great stories and there are classics art school confidential one of the greatest comics I've ever read yeah so that one's in here which is a great one if you're going to hand it to somebody new um, this was a crucial book uh, at the time too because we were devoid of new Dan Klaus comics for I feel like years mm -hmm. at that point. Maybe he's doing ghost world movies. Like I, I forget exactly what the circumstances were, but it, it was like years before we had a Klaus comic. So like this represented the only Klaus comic to come out for a real long time. Yeah, and you know you can see there are some new stories just for this collection. <laughs> it's that last page, Tits. Tits <laughs> <laughs> <Tins> McGee. <laughs> um, man, I'm looking at this, and from the very beginning, like the Lloyd Llewellyns, his lettering is spot on. I look at this kind of thing and I would just stare at these pages sure. and wonder, might be the best letterer in American comics. Sure. I mean, it's it's hard to beat something like this. It's, it's between him and where? And look, here you go, Art School Confidential, one of the classics. Used to hear about how this would be photocopied to the point of almost hard to read it. And, and o yeah, OG viral. And again, experimentation. A very different approach to cartooning than what you see in Art School Confidential where it's a more traditional scale of your figures. But look at these big head figures, full color. So playing around and uh, you could do a lot worse than hand this to somebody if you wanted to introduce them to Dan Klaus. It's a pretty good collection, again, of what he's capable of. I mean, look at that. Pretty far out. Totally. Yeah, this is, a, this is a fun collection and a good sample of 8-Ball. Before there were the complete 8-Ball collections, this was a pretty good way to kind of get a sample of, I don't know, a 10-year ten, ten career of one of the best cartoonists in America. 
All right. Patience. Read it once, you know, like it, it's uh, like I'm putting it high on the list because he just keeps pushing. But but uh, I read it once, you know, this is one that I am very eager to read again. Yeah, me too. These are event books for me. I remember this is one of those I have fond memories of whenever it was published. I went home. I sat down. No distractions, no phone, no screens. Yeah. And I just enjoyed reading this. And this was, I think, I think it, this was his first, maybe his longest graphic novel. And I mean, released in full color and hardcover, really embracing that graphic novel format. And I hate to say a genre mashup, but it defies easy classification as to what is this genre? There are sci-fi elements. I mean, you know, we've got time travel featured in this. But it's a, just a fantastic adventure to read. Yeah, totally, man. I, I had this like big tease with this because about six months before it came out in the States, I was in Denmark and there was a copy sitting on Peter's Peter's desk, the guy who runs the workshop. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to read this way ahead of time. I picked it up. It was in Danish. I can't believe I didn't know it was published there first. That's, uh, that's wild. It was probably like, I don't know that... Ev- those copies were out in stores because yeah. I think he I think he has deals worked out where it's day and date. Yeah. But you know, like maybe uh, that's the print facilities are in Denmark or something like for that issue, so it's not it doesn't have to wait for the slow boat from China or whatever. This was a really exciting one for me visually because it felt like this is all the colors in the crayon box. I, I was going to say like with this one, I think he's he employs colors that he's never used prior to this because he. Previously, if you even grab Ice Haven as an example, he had this muted what they what they classify as the Midwestern color palette, yes. which which seems to me it's like pastel-y type colors, a little bit desaturated. Yeah. You can see that's got to be a hundred percent yellow hair. Yes, yes, and 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 so with this, when he's using hundred percent yellow, like he builds on this in Monica. See, that's the thing. All of his comics build to they the do. next. They do. And it's all R&D for the next project. You know, like, I don't want to say that you, you took a cop-out, Ed, by going in the pro- progression of publication. <laughs> uh, but it is, th- this is one that I think of as fun. Like, sometimes some of these books are a little heavier. Um, you know, Wilson has some heavy shit in it. Sure. I feel like Patience is, a, is an adventure read. You know, it moves at a pretty good clip. And, um, boy, it's eye candy for me. Yeah. So here we go. Let's jump around in time a little bit. Go back to the first graphic novel that was serialized in 8-Ball, like a velvet glove cast in iron. Um, I'm mad at this cover. Yeah. I love the original cover of the first printing of this. I don't have that edition. But this is a, um, probably for a lot of us, this is maybe our first exposure to Dan Clouds. if you're a longtime comics Absolutely. reader. That was my some of my experience with it. I still think this is one of the most striking images, panels, title page, whatever you want to call it, in all of comics. Like, it just pops. This is the cover of his monograph art book, and uh, good reason for that. So that's how you start a comic series, by the way. This is your page one of 8-Ball issue one. Right. And damn, dude, if that doesn't leave a mark, I don't know what does. So, so this would be, like, low on the list for me. Uh, you know, like, it, this would be closer to, like, a 9 or a 10. Uh, he's figuring stuff out here, man. And it's stream of consciousness. So he doesn't exactly know what all's happening. Uh, one of the things that he would mention in interviews is that, like, his his first wife would, like, see this stuff and say, like, uh, you're putting too much personal stuff on the page. And when you read it, you're like, what could that possibly fucking be, man? <laughs> yeah, this is what we're looking at on screen when you say that. <laughs> and I do have theories about that, which I will not share here. I'll share it with you on our next drive to Baltimore or whatever. <laughs> but um, it's 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 pretty, like, he's 
dabbling with the idea of doing a big continuing story. Before this, he's doing all like five pages yes. or, or something. So like he's he's building that confidence. And there's a lot of growing pains here, man. Like on a clay louder milk. Like to, let's go to page one and page you know the last page and see where where how our protagonist uh, progresses. Like this is this is our guy, right? Yes, and this is over the course of a couple of years. Sure. You know, creating this. Um, I've read in interviews where he talks about how he kind of had to limit his drawing yeah. by the end of this because he still wanted it to all fit together. Yeah. But he had grown so much as an artist. So that's kind of a, just a weird concept to and, consider. And it turns to Dan Klaus from this from that period, you know? You mentioned about, you know, stream of consciousness. This would often get compared to, like, David Lynch and the work of David Lynch. And I, I don't know how it could not be. Uh, like, the Twin Peaks elements are totally there. Twin Peaks is on TV at the time that this was made. He's a hip dude. You know, like, like I saw this character is like an iconic, like image on a for real, like, um, bubble pipe thing from the sixties. Like that's a real character. Yeah. There, there's quite a bit of that in here. The, um, the little, the little tattoo is, is, uh, that's a real thing. Yeah. There's a cult. This is just a strange, a strange story. Um, I don't know that it's as good of a story as some of the others that have already appeared on my list, but it's one that I have a personal connection sure. to because it was kind of an entry point. You know, like I read this and went, "What just happened to my brain?" Yeah, totally. And the way and the way it ends, and I like that effect. Certainly, you know? certainly, when I discovered it. Yeah, there's your car, little tattoo carving thing on the. And foot. I've seen dozens of people with that tattoo. Um, at the age I was when I got it, because because I was yeah. very young. Yeah, I know there he is. And then <laughs> Tina, she's a she's the Boba Fett of uh, of uh, Velvet Glove. Um, I was not prepared for such a comic, and it it just baffled me. I did. I love the the journey, but I was so used to Marvel DC like stick the landing and give me something that I could uh, hang my hat on, and this does not have that. Incoherent and engrossing. I think that sums this up pretty well. Incoherent and engrossing, perfect. But visually, man, it, it it's very powerful to me. All right, so I think we're up to number six now on my list. I, I should have kept numbers running as we went. But this is The Death Ray, probably the biggest book on the uh, Dan Klaus list. And if you held a gun to my head, this would probably be number one Ooh, for me. Exciting. I really enjoy this book. This is a fun read. This was the follow-up to Ice Haven, which I think it felt like it was a big leap for Klaus, you yeah. know, like, like conceptually. And then it's that thing of like you discover something and now you almost get to build a book or a story around that discovery. And in this case, it's it's using a lot of different styles, points of view, jumping through time. It really creates, um, for fiction, I think it really creates that thing of open storytelling where it's kind of up to you, the reader, to make sense of certain moments in this story. You know what else it does, Combined man? with the love of superheroes that a lot of us have. Totally, which probably is what edges it high on, on my list uh, for me. But uh, what else it does is it solves the problem that occurred with Velvet Glove, where he had to limit his style to try to keep cohesion. Well, what if you just don't have that kind of cohesion? What if you don't bind yourself to that? What if you realize that that was a mistake in your process because it's not gonna be like I could do this every couple of months or something. It's gonna take me a long time to make the comics I wanna make. So don't bind yourself to a style and you know, the form follows function. Yeah, and this also continues, I think Ice Haven was his first full color book yeah and uh this is the second one so like you're seeing a guy who's added a significant element to his storytelling tool set and probably getting more comfortable with it 
and, and putting applying some of those lessons. So this is a fun book for sure. I think the superhero genre keeps that fun tone, uh, again, compared to some of these books that may be a little heavier at times or, or a little bit different genre. The superhero keeps it, I don't want to say whimsical, but look at the spread. Right. That's the word I'm going to go with here. Really fantastic. Also, he's so good visually. I think that that's not always accepted because this is not your foreshortening of Marvel style, but he's able to just go in a lot of different directions visually. And because he's such a strong writer, I think that sometimes he doesn't get the visual due that he deserves. Extremely inventive. And this book shows off that inventiveness. Man, Ed, David Boring. Talk about one of the early works for me. David Boring, first part, was when I started reading Dan Clouds. Mm -hmm. At that point, I'm buying up all the Clouds, the yeah. eight balls, the collections that I could find, everything I could find, and then buying the David Boring issues as they would come out slowly. So this is another one that is very near and dear to my, my heart. This is one I bought used because I had the single issues. Right. So you can see, I, uh, I guess Greg owned this book before I got hold of it. This is one I'm excited to actually look at on the channel because I think there's a lot here in terms of his other work. Yeah. I think Monica has some stuff that he figured out story-wise in David Boring. And visually, this is another one. I think he is drawing this digitally. Um, the the grayscales, not, not the line art. But I think the grayscale, it's not applied by like a zipatone. I think it's a grayscale that's applied digitally. And I think, I think actually what he's doing is it's a, it's a ink on, on paper mm -hmm. and uh, it just gets converted. I, I don't know 100%, but this may be the first, uh, the issues of 8-Ball where this corresponds with, might be the first uh, introduction of like John Kuramoto coming in with the, with the computer chops to, to hip him to production because there's that like the Wayne boring kind of like dot uh, color separation stuff that's being done. There's different, there's different kinds of a uh, grays shown up too. Cause I think some of the time, sometimes there's a zipatone gray. Yeah. And you know what? Some of this is feathered gray, which would make me think it's a second layer that he's either scanning or doing like exactly. an overlay or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a very noir story, which is where I think this gray and all this emphasis on shadow comes from. And I find that super appealing. Yeah. You know, as a guy who is capable of color, this is really going to another level. Now we're in our top five pussy. Sure. This is an old one. We did a video on this highly recommend it. And this is just for me about as funny as, as uh, comics to hit. Totally. And, th and this might be my number two, if, if like gun to the head. This is one of those that is just fun for me to read. And it's so cool because it does overlap with comics history. So you right. read this and you can find characters in real life that some of these Dr. Infinity and Stan Lee, right? You know, there's, there's some obvious analogs. But even like Art Spiegelman and Raw, like he's really going through the spectrum of comics at this time and taking shots at everybody all the way up to like rob liefeld and those guys yeah absolutely so it's a pretty fun there he is gummo bubble man and people man people call art spiegelman gummo bubble man behind his back <laughs> i've heard that in responses a lot of times it's amazing and this is one of those examples where like you've got a concept right this was serialized the short stories and when you get to like the origin of dan pussy I feel like this really shows off his writing skills where it's like, I've been thinking about this character and ooh, I got an idea for this. Like the young, the young Dan, uh, you know, what he looks like drawing his characters in school and being ridiculed. It's, it's rich in a way that should be a throwaway gag. He really builds a character out of it. And, and he's able to express such utter frustration uh, at a time when he needed to, because like <laughs> who, who is his table next to at San Diego Comic-Con? That's what this is, is cutting 
cutting promos on the comics industry. All right, number three, Ghost World. I can't remember if we covered this or not, Ed, but this is... Oh, we did an episode on this. His, his big seller here. This is another one that was serialized, started out as a short story. Did one, one episode, no plans to do more, but those characters took over and ends up being one of his most famous stories as a result of that. Um, I always think about the two-color, which is kind of like a television convention I think he's talked about in uh, various interviews. That's what I see here, and why not? Looks good to me. Yeah, don't they call it blue light? They do. They do indeed. Yep. That is a book that I have gifted to people over the years. You know, I feel like that's one that you could hand a non-comics reader and they'd have no problem understanding it and being able to keep up and go along. Ice Haven, one of the great single issues in comic book format. And uh, in this case, reformatted again for that bookstore crowd, bookstore sales and uh for that bigger price tag yeah and i'll be honest i kind of like reading it this way i think it, it works pretty well it feels more like a comic strip in certain ways or a comic strip collection which was one of the conceits of the original and this is a mystery a kidnapping mystery set in a small town ice haven being that town and a chance for klaus to show off what a writer he is as we see a cast of i don't know 20 plus characters and we follow several of those characters in their own strips in their own styles kind of having their own storylines um just an amazing inventive. I remember when this came out, all of my friends in comics, we talked about this a lot. Absolutely. Because there were some new narrative devices in Ice Haven. So what's the number one, Jimmy? We, number one. We, sh we shared that. Is Monica. And I don't want to spoil anything. We will do an episode on this coming up. But I will say part of my figuring out a list was, what do I want to read next out of my Dan Klaus collection? And I am eager to read Monica again. So... Who knows, maybe next year I'd rearrange some of these, but as of now, I am super psyched to get into this book again, and I'm super psyched for the episode we'll do on this in the uh, in the time-appropriate upcoming month. Absolutely. So, sounds great to me, man. I, I can't wait to crack this open again, uh, because it does feel like a culmination of all of his experience from all the comics that we just showed off. We'll leave it at that. You good to go? I am. Okay, favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We can notify you when new vids are available. Uh, the Cartoonist Cafe Patreon will get you the videos before anybody else gets them. Uh, we are going to be at Baltimore Comic Con, but ultimately the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Jimmy, tell the people what you got. True Crime Funnies is my latest book, self-published. Three nonfiction stories I have sold out of the first printing. So if you want one, you can get a PDF at my website or you can read it on my Patreon and reprints are coming. My other books that are available, The Plain Janes for the young adult audience out there, Street Angel, Deadly Girl Alive, back in print after almost a year out of print from Image Comics, and my Hulk Grand Design Treasury Edition. Look at that oversized masterpiece. Pick that one up wherever books and comics are sold. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you this holiday season. Uh, it's collecting the four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree with 150 plus pages of additional material. The books are here. The Eagle has landed. It's the best book I ever made it, and it's cheaper than a Marvel Omnibus, so get your hands on that. Uh, the the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy is coming out in time for the holidays also. One of those volumes is out of print as we speak, so uh, this will be your chance to get all of it in one handy-dandy collection, and Red Room is the comic I'm working on now. Crypto Killers is the latest series, and there are three issues out as we speak. Fourth one coming uh, coming soon. Uh, scoop those up. Two trade paperbacks of that are out there, and I'm serializing my new comics uh, on my Patreon called Switchblade Shorties. So it'll be a daily strip inevitably once I build up a big enough queue. Jimmy, what are some other ways that people can 
uh, support the channel. You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All good ways to support the channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics. So the 5% was for this. Oh, is that right? Yeah, this, this died. Interesting. This is, this is